Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Surprise Jab Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ruger, surprising you with new topics every single week and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC. And we're back with a huge one today. UFC 293 goes down this upcoming Saturday, September 9th in Sydney, Australia. We're going to be previewing that entire card Today on this episode, we're also going to be recapping Dana White's Contender Series, Episode 5, which went down this past Tuesday. We're going to be going over some of my fantasy football teams that I just recently drafted. I'm going to give my thoughts on the recent UFC 5 reveal trailer, and we're going to talk about some upcoming fights and other news. Very good, exciting stuff. Happy to be coming off of a school week. I'm finally done today. Um, I only have classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays which is actually pretty nice compared to previous years where I've had classes five days a week, which honestly sucks. I honestly don't know how I went to school for like eight hours a day. All the, for like, what was that? Six, 12 years or something? 12 years, actually. Probably like 13 if we include kindergarten. I don't know. I'm good now. I enjoy the college lifestyle and I enjoy talking about sports. So kicking us off, I mean, fantasy football, NFL in general, tonight, the Lions and Chiefs game goes down. I am, of course, riding with the Chiefs. If you Most likely, when you listen to this on Friday, it will already have been the result. So my prediction, Chiefs 31, Lions 17, because that's a normal football score, and that's what I'm rocking with. But yeah, Travis Kelsey probably going to be out, unfortunately. That is just an absolute doozy to fantasy teams. I absolutely hate that. I think I had him in my six-man all-star league, which kind of, that does kind of suck, actually. It does kind of screw me, but who cares? It's just fantasy football. Plus, I'm in four leagues now, so it doesn't really matter if one or two players, star players are out because I have other teams to look after. So, start kicking us off. I recently saw that, uh, who was it? I think it was Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, is he the one on the 49ers? Let me double check because, yeah, I think Joey is on the, um, what's it, the Chargers. Yeah, Nick Bosa, 49ers, just signed a brand new deal. Five years, $170 million. The defensive back is getting paid a tremendous amount of money. Or defensive back or however you want to phrase his position. He is a, uh, I think it's defensive end actually, or defensive line, my bad, defensive line. He's usually the guy on the outside rushing around sacking the quarterback. Happy for him. The 49ers are going to be a very good team this year. I'm happy to see what they provide. I don't know how they're going to stack up necessarily against someone like the Eagles, per se, but they'll certainly make a run for it. They have a lot of weapons, and I think I have one of the weapons on some of my teams. That's right. I think I do get Christian McCaffrey on one of my fancy teams, which is what I'm going to go over right now with you guys. I reviewed my other fancy football teams. So this one is in my Mankato Boys League, the Cato Boys League. It is um, basically just a bunch of guys from uh, Minnesota State Mankato, who I'm all friends with, and we're on a fantasy team together. I think I took like fourth last year, so this is my redemption year. This is my redemption arc, boys, so... There's the current lineup, starting lineup. We got Justin Herbert in at QB. Damian Pierce, currently my RB1. Don't really know how I feel about that, but hey, just how I drafted. Jamal Williams, my RB2. I do think Jamal Williams is going to do pretty good with the Saints uh, as long as Alvin Kamara is out. Depending on when he comes back, might need to make some changes, but we'll wait till that happens. 
My wide receiver one, which I took with my round one pick at, I think I had the number five pick, Tyreek Hill. Very happy with Tyreek. He's a star player. He pops up every single year. My wide receiver two is Amari Cooper. Don't even know how I've landed Amari Cooper, and I'm pretty sure three out of the, my four leagues, maybe even all four of my leagues. I don't know. I've, I just have Amari Cooper like all my leagues. I'm happy with him, though. I do think him and Deshaun will be connecting a lot this year. I'm really hoping they will. My tight end, David Njoku, another um, Cleveland player. That's just where he fell to me, boys. When you wait to take a tight end, this is what happens. Uh, in my flex currently, Mike Evans. Very happy with Mike Evans facing against Minnesota. I was seeing people saying you should sit him. I'm riding with Mike. Sometimes he pops off. I'm hoping Baker targets him over Chris Godwin. My defense currently going with the 49ers. They got Pittsburgh this week. I mean, we just talked about Nick Bosa. 49ers, absolutely loaded. I love their defense. And my kicker, I had to go with Greg the Leg Joseph, my Minnesota boy, my kicker. Always happy to have him. The bench, first off, on my IR currently, just listed as out, is Cooper Cup. Yeah, I took him with, I think, my number three pick. It might have been my number two pick. I can't recall. But when Cooper Cup's healthy, we're going to have that Tyreek-Cooper Cup combo. And I'm really hoping that that is just a killer for games. Tyreek, Cooper could easily combine for 50 to 60 points if they both have amazing games. So first few weeks could be rough for me. But once Cooper's back in, I'm really hoping this team comes together. We got Khalil Herbert as one of my backup running backs. Man, I'll tell you, if Justin Fields decides to get him more involved, Khalil could be an absolute killer. We also got Ezekiel Elliott. I just decided to snatch Zeke up. I mean, he was available to me. He's not going to be starting. But if anything happens to Ramondre, Zeke's going to be getting touches. Alan Lazard, one of my backup, I think my only backup wide receiver on my bench. He is a, you know, a former Packer, has known Aaron Rodgers. Now on the Jets, I mean, not much more to say. He already has the connection with Aaron. I'm happy to have him. My backup QB is Dak Prescott. Currently projected more points significantly at a one point, actually might be a 2.3 margin compared to Justin Herbert. But I think Herbert versus the Dolphins is going to be a shootout, whereas Dak versus the Giants is much more of a technical battle historically. Sam Laporta is actually my backup tight end. The uh, I think he's a rookie now for the Lions. I don't even know. He uh, I just saw him on a TikTok saying that he could be a killer, and I, I the page was reliable that I took it from. I think. I don't ever remember what TikTok it was, but that's what I got. And then I snatched up Tank Bigsby with my final pick. Look, boys, if Travis Etienne goes out, Tank Bigsby is next up. I love him, and I'll never forget when Larry Fournette took over and was an absolute beast for the Jags. Tank Bigsby, happy to have you. Going to be an interesting week with that team. Uh, my next team, um, it's only a 10-man league. And I will say that uh, this is a $20 buy-in league, so it is costing me some money, but potential to win $200. More like $180, since I'd be winning back my money. This is my 10-man team um, for uh, 10-man league team for $20 with my cousin and a lot of his friends. QB, Trevor Lawrence, happy to spice it up. I always try to spice up a lot of my teams, just because I don't like having the same players. So Trevor Lawrence is my QB in this league. I also think I got Mahomes, Hurts, and we just said Herbert, so I'm happy about it. RB1, my number one pick, which I took at the number... Oh, where did he fall to me? I think he... I forgot what pick I got. I think it was like four. I landed Christian McCaffrey. Very happy with it. I always love having Christian McCaffrey, and I'm very skeptical about him this year. 
just because of in years past, he always seems to get hurt and kind of screw me over. So we'll see how he does, but I'm happy to have him on this team. My RB2, Joe Mixon. I'm also very skeptical of him this year, but if he repeats how he played last year, he would be an absolute beast. My R wide receiver one, T. Higgins. So basically the backup to Jamar Chase in uh, Cincinnati, but T. Higgins always puts up yards, can make big plays. It's him, Boyd, and Chase, though. They do take up a lot of points for each other, so we'll have to see. My wide receiver, too, Amari Cooper, what I tell you. I have him in, like, every one of my leagues. I love him. Deshaun Watson hopefully can come into the fold this year and get Amari Cooper more involved. My tight end, Darren Waller. I've been hoping to get Darren in my other leagues. I think I have. I have Kelsey in one league where he's out, so I have, like, Njoku in a majority of my leagues. I think I have Njoku in two of my leagues. And I have Dalton Schultz, and I was able to get Darren Waller, so I was super happy. I think he's going to do really good on the Giants with Daniel Jones throwing. Very happy to have Darren Waller. My flex currently, Raheem Mostert. I really like him. He's he got a Cheney and Jeff Wilson both out currently. Raheem against the Chargers. I'm really hoping he does good. I'll, we'll mention my bench players in a second, so I'm not too worried if I have to move Raheem out in a bit. We're going with the Jets D, Sauce Gardner. You know, I had to scoop him up. I am just going to ride it out with the Bills. I'm just going to accept that it might be an L at the Jets position against Buffalo. But my hope is that if my team's winning heading into Monday night, I might pull out the Jets D if he doesn't have any players, whoever I'm competing against. But we'll see. My kicker, Daniel Carlson, the number one kicker last year, I believe. Daniel Carlson, absolute killer. I don't know how much the Raiders are going to be scoring this year, but I do think they'll be getting in a range for Daniel to drop some 50 bombs. My bench, I really like this bench, oddly, personally, for a 10-man. Dalvin Cook, my backup. I love Dalvin Cook, former Viking. We'll see what happens with him and Brees Hall, but he's currently on my bench right now. I'm going with Raheem over him. Also, Cortland Sutton, I was debating putting Cortland in over Raheem, maybe even putting Cortland in over T or Amari, but I just need to see how Russell Wilson's going to play before I can put in Cortland Sutton, because Cortland Sutton is an amazing wide receiver, but he's just got a terrible quarterback under uh, in front of him. I just Russell Wilson did terrible last year. We'll see if he can rebound with the Broncos. J.K. Dobbins also on my bench. I love this guy. Uh, if Lamar didn't run so much, J.K. Dobbins would be an absolute killer in this offense. And I'm hoping they can't get more involved, especially against Houston, who sucks. We got also uh, Jordan Addison on the bench. You know I had to pick up Addison. He fell to me at just the spot where I'm like, you know what? Give me the Minnesota rookie. Hopefully he can provide some impact. And if Higgins or Cooper goes out, I'm very much happy to have Addison in. Backup tight end is Dalton Schultz. I don't know how he's going to do with the Texans, but he was good on the Cowboys. Backup QB, Jared Goff. I think I'd have to choose. It was either Jared Goff or Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, no one's been drafting Dak. And I was like, I have Dak as a backup in like three other leagues. I'll go with Jared Goff. And my final pick on my bench, Alan Lazard. He fell to me again, and I'm like, you know what? If Aaron's like you know what, I don't like any of these new guys, I'll throw to Allen, then I'll put Allen in. But I probably won't, because Garrett Wilson's going to be catching a lot of those passes. I believe all my teams are set up for the games as of right now, but last-second changes happen. I'm really hoping that Travis Kelsey does not play, because as of right now, he is not in my lineup. So if they do put him in the last second and he pops off, I would be very pissed. So I'm kind of hoping that does not happen. 
Well, that's all my football talk I got. Excited for the season to start after this is uploaded. I'm probably going to make some dinner and head over to a little watch party. A little watch party at my friend's house. Also, um, in recent news for um, UFC land, we have some new main event announcements for the two October pay-per-views. I uh, don't know how to feel about them, but I'll mention them to you guys. First off, we'll talk about the one that I actually like. Number 13, Edson Barbosa taking on number 11, Sodiq Youssef in the featherweight division. That goes down October 14th. I was thinking it would be like a co-main event. They've decided to promote to main event. I love Sodiq Youssef. I think he can be a great featherweight, make it into the top 10. This is a great fight for him against Edson Barbosa. A very good test. I'm going with Sodiq. I personally like this fight, even though it is two lower level ranked um, featherweights. But I'm perfectly okay with these guys. Let's talk about the October 7th main event, which was just announced. Grant Dawson versus Bobby Green. Grant Dawson currently ranked number 10, yet to lose in the UFC, and he just beat a ranked opponent. He's currently ranked number 10, and he's fighting Bobby Green, who's not even ranked, coming off a win over Tony Ferguson. Don't really know the move there. I've been hearing news that this fight might not even get made. I... I don't know what to tell you. I was certainly confused when it was made. I'm sure people are ducking Grant Dawson. But I don't know why you would. Grant's not too scary of an opponent. He's a typical American wrestler. If I'm someone like Benil Dariush, I feel like this would be a good matchup for me. But hey, it is what it is. That just two ordinary main events at the UFC Apex. In some random news I saw, Junior Dos Santos and Fabricio Verdum are competing in a bare-knuckle fighting match. Under Game Bread Promotions, that is right. Game Bread Promotions, which is, um, what's his name? Jorge Masvidal's uh, um, like fighting promotion. I know he's put on some events before. He actually had Jason Knight on one of his cards, I remember. He was on the recent season of The Ultimate Fighter. But yeah, the Jorge Masvidal's Game Bread Bare Knuckle MMA promotion back in action this weekend with the card in Jacksonville, Florida. Headlined by these two guys. No, no, really, idea what to make of this. They are on. It, I really feel bad for Junior Santos. I don't think he's won since 2019. It's a long time, actually, maybe even 2018. It's been a long time since Junior Dos Santos has won a uh, a fight in general. Got his butt kicked by Cyril Gunn, dressing at Rosenstroke, Curse Blades. Whew, everyone's finished. Junior Dos Santos. Um, let's talk about the UFC 5 trailer dropped this morning. I was all for it. It was so good. Uh, some interesting takeaways from it. That's for certain. First off, the cover athletes, my thoughts. We got Volkanovski and Valentina Shevchenko on the regular cover. And then we have Israel Asanya on the deluxe cover. Going an odd route, having the cover athlete from last year be the deluxe cover. I do like it. Asanya looks cool. Got a good character build, but I personally would have gone with someone else. But hey, I'm okay with Asanya. Now, as for Valentina Shevchenko, they're taking a big gamble that she beats Alexa Grasso. Because if she loses, it it honestly makes no sense why a woman on a two-fight losing streak's the cover athlete. So that's pretty interesting, but I love the Volk move. Very much here for it. I could have swore they were going with Sean O'Malley, especially thinking he just won the belt. But hey, I'll, I'll take it. The, the trailer, the reveal trailer, just under two minutes. Showing us all sorts of new updates to the game. I mean, this damage system is just ridiculous. The cuts they were showing on Hadasanya. They were showing doctor stoppages with Pereira. I do kind of feel bad for Alex Pereira. They really showed us uh, him getting like his butt absolutely whooped 
in the um i was trying to basically knocking him down finishing him it was it was kind of kind of felt bad i don't know how he's going to take that probably not too kindly they're showing some very good scrambling from alexander volkanovsky and islam makachev i hope that makes its way into the game actually because you know with some of these trailers it's not actual footage uh, i saw mcgregor and chandler in there they were fighting they did have bald mcgregor which i kind of hope they don't bring back since he's not rocking that look anymore but maybe if it's easier for them to render but yeah i mean they, apparently submissions are going to be easier they've like revamped the whole system they're gonna be smoother the ground game's gonna feel authentic you know what i'm here for it i'm so here for it modes not too much mo news on modes they're doing like regular fight weeks and they're doing like uh it's like a ufc fan experience i don't know how they phrased it uh they're doing more progression and rewards they have an online career mode which is super interesting and i did see that they're adding in some other fighters like fedor muhammad ali and mike tyson which you can get as like a pre-order bonus and they, they also have other pre-order bonus perks which i don't know necessarily what's up with that maybe i'll get it I do not know. But yes, it was always fun to see the trailer. The game comes out October 27th. And it should be super fun. Super fun to see. Very much excited to watch. Uh, watch. What am I saying? Very well, obviously excited to watch all the trailers that are coming out. But to play the game. I'm currently wrapping up UFC 4. Uh, I've been doing this like giant tournament for so long. And once I'm done with it, it'll be like my final goodbye to UFC 4. But yes. Moving on from UFC 5 into Dana White's Contender Series Episode 5. Good transition. Um, yes, this Season 7 Episode 5 went down this past Tuesday. Dana White gave out five contracts and a invitation back to a fighter for uh, Episode 10 of the Contender Series. So Dana was feeling contract heavy. I took a bunch of notes. I watched all the fights. Let me give you all a rundown. We kicked off the night with Dion Barbosa against Rain Guerrero. It was a pretty competitive fight. Uh, Guerrero landed a good takedown at about the 45-second mark, and then Barbosa ended up reversing it and taking her back position around the 3.5-minute mark. Guerrero would get back up, but then Barbosa would take her down, then Guerrero would reverse it. A lot of good scrambling on the ground from both these ladies, but eventually... Dion would wrap up an armbar, and at the 4-minute, 35-second mark of round number one, Dion would uh, get the finish, get an armbar. Good for her. She now improves to 6-2. and two. Good good for her. And, um, yeah, gets a contract. I thought she would get a contract, so good for you, Dion Barbosa. Welcome to the women's flyweight division. We're going to have her face a top 15 woman next. Probably not. Flyweight's actually pretty loaded. I very much enjoy those fights. Moving into the second fight of the evening, Gene Silva beats Kevin Vallejos by unanimous decision. Good on Gene, man. Wow. Kevin comes out very good in round number one. Silva was landing a bit harder, throwing some good combos to the body. Vallejos was landing a bit more. Uh, total strikes 24 to 16 in favor of Vallejos. Vallejos takes round one. Good for him. 11 and 0. Looking pretty good. Round two comes around, though. Gene's just getting the better of him. 39 total strikes to 22. Landing more. Getting it done. Silva takes round two. Vallejos is a bloody mess, almost. Round three comes around. 
and Vallejo's nose is absolutely done for. His whole mouth and nose was just bloody. Silva was landing more, seemed to be landing a bit harder. He even landed like a little takedown for some reason. He would win that round number three, and 29-28s across the board would give him the decision. I thought he would get a contract. He did get a contract. I love it, man. Good for you, Gene. You improved to 11-2. and two. As for Kevin, man, first career loss sucks for him. But you know what? He's young. He'll be back. Even Dana White said the kid's got some heart, just needs to improve. So, hey, good for you. But Gene Silva, welcome to the featherweight division. We'll have you. Nothing. We're not short on featherweights, but we're not overstocked on featherweights. So, get in here, Gene. Let's get into the next fight, which was terrible. Terrible. Dana White even said this was one of the worst contender series fights in UFC history. Contender series fight history. As Dylan Budka beats Chad Hancomb by unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. Kicking off round one, a tight guillotine from Hancomb. I thought Budka was going to tap. Budka's able to get out. He then lands a slam takedown on Hancomb. Close, close first round, very entertaining. And then I don't even know what happened. Okay, so round one, Chad, uh, eight total strikes to two to five, I mean. Ugh. A takedown for Dylan, about a minute control for both these guys. Round number two, I don't even know. Dylan landed 36 toll strikes. Chad landed two. Dylan landed one takedown for two minutes and 45 seconds of control time. Chad had 0 for 1 on takedowns, two minutes of control time. Budka takes round two. Round three, I mean, just nothing happened. A lot of clinch, a lot of just laying on each other on the ground. Just terrible. Just gosh awful. And... Dylan gets the decision. He improves to seven and two. Chad falls to nine and three. But honestly, from how round one started, I thought this could be a good fight. I did not think they were going to give a contract out. But Dana White is Dana White, and he said, "You know what, Dylan? You just fought at heavyweight a week ago. You fought at middleweight here. We want you to fight at welterweight. You took this fight on a week's notice. You beat this guy. He blamed the fight on Chad. And so yeah, Dylan Budke gets a contract. Impressive." Is what it is. I did not think he was getting a contract personally, but that's just me. Good for him. Moving into the co-main event, if you want to call it that, as I mentioned every single week. Just the fourth fight of the card. As Serhei Sade gets a round one knockout of Ramon Tavares at the two and a half minute mark. Sade basically dropped him after just casual striking. But a very early stoppage from uh, Keith Peterson here. I did not know what was going through his head. Uh, I clearly saw Ramon Tavares defending himself. He was... No reason to stop it. Dana was certainly perplexed by it, even mentioned it. He gives Serhei Cide the contract, but invites Ramon Tavares back, which I'm sure he will. You could even see Dana scoffing at it. It's probably going to become a meme. I did think they would give him a contract, and they did, and I was happy they brought Ramon Tavares back. So good on the UFC for that one. Very much, very much supportive of it. Uh, so yes, the main event, if you want to call it that, the fifth fight, the final night of the evening, Brenson Ribeiro against Bruno Lopez. Man. Bruno Lopez was undefeated 11-0, but then Brenson, the Gorilla Ribeiro, took control. Casual striking to start out. Ribeiro landing a bit harder, and then boom, takes him out with a just nasty, nasty hook, nasty big right, little hammer fist on the ground actually put him out. And honestly, Lopez was just eating some heavy shots, and Ribeiro... Gets it done, light heavyweight, going to the UFC, good for him. Gets a resounding yes from Dana White. 
I love it. I love it. So five contracts and an invite back on this episode. They've been just contract heavy. So contract heavy on all these episodes, which I personally don't like. I like when they don't give out too many contracts. I find it more fun because you're almost like, oh, I feel like he should have gotten it or, oh, he shouldn't have gotten it. But when they give every single winner a contract, you're kind of like, okay, this is just repetitive. I have no interest in watching everyone get a contract. But that's just me. That's just me. And I'm entitled to my opinion. And everyone might not agree. But that's just how it goes. So, yeah, Dan White's Contender Series, episode five. A success. Honestly, not as entertaining. I like when every single fight ends in round one, personally. Or when they're all entertaining. And we had some duds here, like Chad Hankum and Dylan Buka. That killed the vibe. Absolutely killed the vibe. But oh well. Actually, after that, I went and played, like, Monopoly on Xbox with, like, my friends. And then I went to the gym at 11.30 at night. Let me tell you, I I think that's... Actually, I've gone to the gym a bit later. But I actually went... I went to, like, 1 o'clock at the best leg day ever. So I kind of redeemed myself from uh, this terrible contender series, in my opinion. Not as bad as uh, Season 6, Episode 1. That is truly the worst episode. The only good part of that episode was Joe Pfeiffer... And from that episode, we actually have a fighter on the card. So going to be very fun to talk about the UFC 293 card. Before we do, let's talk about the UFC rankings, which did update following um, UFC Fight Night. Uh, oh, my gosh. What was the last fight night, guys? Um, was it? Oh, it was Paris. UFC Paris. That's what it was. See, I always forget. Week goes by and my brain decays. No, it doesn't. Okay. So, yeah, the rankings did update in featherweight. They finally removed the Korean zombie from the rankings. So, everyone's getting a bump. And Lerone Murphy coming on to the rankings at number 15. Lerone is currently undefeated 13-0-1. That one is a draw. Just on absolute killer streak. Seven wins by knockout. Six first-round finishes for Lerone. I'd love to see him fight next. He last fought July 22nd, 2023. Got himself a win. Uh, what else updated? Uh, heavyweight Cyril Gunn actually is currently tied with Sergey Pavlovich for the number one contender spot now. Whoa. It's actually listed ahead of him because of alphabetical reasons. Impressive stuff from Gain. You know what? As for what's next for Cyril Gunn, I feel like the Tom Asimov fight is a perfect mix there. Very happy for it. Uh, Sergey Spivak, who lost to Gon this uh, past weekend, drops down a spot to number eight as Alexander Volkov moves up to seven before his fight with Tai Tui Vasa. In the women's pound-for-pound rankings, Zhang Weili drops from being tied with Alexa Grasso for the number one spot. No idea why Alexa Grasso is the number one pound-for-pound fighter, but oh well. Julia Pena up to four. Aaron Blanchfield up to five. Manny Fiora jumps four spots after her co-main event victory. To move up to six. Rose Namayuna is dropping four spots to number eight. Tatiana Suarez is also dropping two spots. Interesting stuff all around there. Alexa Grasso fights Valentina Shevchenko next weekend at UFC Noche, defending her belt on a fight night. The first fight night championship fight since, I believe, July of 2020. It has been such a long time coming. Very much looking forward to that, but... Ladies and gentlemen, we got, I believe, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 12 fights at UFC 293 to break down and cover. So, without ado, let's dive into it. I'll give my picks for everyone. Very much excited, too. It's my favorite part of every episode. I love predicting fights, as you all know. 
And so not too much to cover this episode, very much a casual episode, working on getting more guests on the Dane episode, an absolute hit, my uh, Lexi interview, currently my most uh, downloaded episode, and yeah, we're working on getting maybe uh, one, two, three, we're working on getting a lot of people on, okay, it's hard to manage though, I'm working on, I gotta figure out how to get my mic set up, if anyone listens to this genuinely, and wants to help me get two mics set up on my computer, or if I need an adapter or something, whatever I can use, let me know. So I'm trying to interview more guests. So let's, let's not waste any more time. I always like to waste time for some reason, but I always like to just drag it out like something big will happen. I'll get a big idea about something to talk about. But I just can't hold back my excitement anymore because UFC 293 goes down this Saturday in Sydney, Australia. Whenever there's a pay-per-view, this electricity just flows through me, this excitement. It's like I've been hit by a bolt of lightning. And honestly, this is not the best pay-per-view. I'll, I'll keep it real. I'll keep it real for you guys. It's not. But it's a pay-per-view nonetheless. And after this, it's just bangers. UFC 294 and 295 are going to be massive and I don't know what they're cooking up for UFC 296, but that should also be pretty good. Without ado, let's dive into our first fight of the night. Two UFC newbies, two guys debuting. We got Kevin Joe Set taking on Kiefer Crosby. Hmm. How about that? Kevin versus Kiefer. Um, Kevin, nickname Air. Oh, I forgot to say their nicknames when I was saying it. Kevin Air Joe Set, Beefer, BDK Crosby. Kind of lame nicknames, but uh, Kevin, eight and Two, um, Kiefer 10 and three. Kevin's got three inches in height, uh, 170 pound, the welterweight division, five inches in reach. Two for Kevin Josette. Kevin Halen from France, currently fighting out of Australia on a three fight winning streak. He's from City Kickboxing, one of the kickboxing boys. That's Adesanya, Kaikara France gym. That's a very popular gym down in uh, New Zealand, I believe. He takes on Kiefer Crosby, who's from Ireland. He actually fights at SBG, the same gym as the one and only Conor McGregor training over Kavanaugh. Uh, Kiefer, five KOs, two subs to his name. Uh, Three-fight win streak himself. He actually holds a win over Alex Oliveira. Alex Cowboy Oliveira, former UFC fighter, uh, lost to Shafkat Rachmanov. I think that was one of his most recent losses. Which got, Actually, he lost to Kevin Holland, too, before he got cut from the UFC. So... There you go. Uh, Kevin, having the home field advantage fighting out of Australia. Kiefer, though, fighting around the same gym as McGregor. Little win streak. Very torn here, personally. I am leaning more Kevin because of size. But not all the kickboxing boys can win. We're going to go with Kiefer Crosby. I like his name. He's 10-3. and three. Trains with McGregor. Let's go Kiefer. Because why not? Also, by the way, if anyone doesn't know, my prelim predictions are unofficial, which are like the first few fights I go through. My main card, usually the last five or six fights of the evening, I'll let you know usually, are my official predictions, which go into my yearly, the ones I actually keep track of and such. I love doing that. Okay, moving into our second bout of the evening, we are going to be in the featherweight division. Uh, between Shane Young and Gabriel Miranda. Shane smoking Young. Gabriel Fly Miranda. Shane is 13 and 7. Gabriel, 16 and 6. Uh, Gabriel's got 3 inches in height. Shane's got an inch in reach. Average fight time. Shane has an average fight time of 11 and a half minutes. Gabriel 
just over five minutes. So Gabriel likes to get it done a bit earlier. Gabriel pushing uh, 27, actually. Shane recently turned 30 in July. Shane Young, a UFC vet, been in the UFC um, since 2017. He fought, actually, Alexander Volkanovsky in his debut, lost. He would then pick up two wins, but since been on a three-fight losing streak. Last fought on uh, February 11th of this year at UFC 284. He lost the decision to Blake Builder. So 0 for 1 in down under. Very unfortunate. But um, his opponent, Gabriel Miranda, debuted at UFC Paris last year and got absolutely destroyed by Benoit St. Denis. Benoit dropped him three times, took him down. Just an absolute massacre from Benoit St. Denis. But hey, Gabriel Miranda's back taking on Shane Young, but if I'm not giving Joseph the first fight of the night, I can't go against City Kickboxing here. I gotta give it to Shane Young, another City Kickboxing guy. Well, I don't know exactly how. He does have um, one finish here in the UFC. He is 13-7, so I mean, not the best, not the best record professionally, but hey, Shane, Shane, you can easily snap your losing streak here with a win over Gabriel Miranda. Gabriel, I don't know where he hails from somehow. That wasn't telling me, but we'll be going with Shane Young here. I, I got ride with some of my Australian boys. Speaking of which, we have one of my personal favorites here. As When I say this name, guys, this is not a nickname. This is his name. This is actually a hilarious matchup. Blood Diamond takes on Charles Chuck Buffalo <laughs> Radke. Oh my goodness, Blood Diamond. Where do we begin? Where do we begin with Blood Diamond? That is his name. He's 3-2 professionally. He has been in two UFC fights so far and gotten brutally outgrappled in both of them. It's, it's been a tough going for Blood Diamond. Uh, taken down four times in his two UFC fights, and he was actually submitted in his first one against Jeremy Wells. Last one against Orion Coach was pretty bad, I will say. I will say that was a bad one, but hey, Blood Diamond, kickboxing legend. Hopefully he can bounce back here. When he takes on Charles Radke, he's fighting out of Salem, Wisconsin. This is his UFC debut, 33 years of age. Three KOs and two subs to his name. Currently on a um, four-fight winning streak. I believe, I believe he's on a little four-fight winning streak here. Good for you, Charles. Um, Matchup-wise, 5'11 for Blood, 5'9 for Charles, 4 inches in reach for Blood Diamond. Uh, man, I don't know who to go with. Blood Diamond from Zimbabwe. Um, he actually holds uh, two, two knockouts to his name, uh, TK uh, submission, but I, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. He, he actually holds a loss to Shara Putin Magomedov uh, in kickboxing. He'll be debuting at UFC 294. We'll mention him later. He is a guy with a crazy eye. Shrooped in a huge prospect. But I got, I'm going to be honest, guys. I don't know how I'm feeling about Charles Chuck Buffalo. When we got Blood Diamond here, guys, we're riding with Blood Diamond. His name is freaking Blood and his last name's Diamond. I don't know what more you want from me. That's got to be one of the goofiest names I've ever heard. But I love it. I love it. I'm here to support you, Blood Diamond. And you best be sure I'll catch that fight. Moving on to our fourth prelim of the night into the lightweight division. As Nazrat Hakparasat takes on Landon the Lone Wolf, Kiones. Ooh, 
Nazareth is 14 and 5. Landon is 7 1 and 1. Uh, oh my gosh, Landon's UFC debut. How about that? 7 and 1. I love it, Landon. I love it. Uh, size wise, pretty similar. 5'10, 5'9. Reach 7, 72 inch for Nazareth. Both fighting Southpaw. Both 28. Wow. These two are very even, guys. Um, man, let's uh let's do a little dive here. Landon Kim's name sounds very familiar. Let me let me actually check something out, guys. Um, Landon Keown has actually fought on the past season of the Ultimate Fighter. I knew I recognized his name. Yes, he uh five five KO wins to his name, one submission. Uh yes, he uh lost to Jason Knight in an exhibition fight on the contender series. I knew I recognized his name from Team McGregor. Man, tough loss for Landon Quiones on the contender series, but he's back. He takes on Nazareth Hakpasarat, who's been in the UFC since 2017. He's fought in some notable people. Holds a win over Mark Diakise. He's been knocked down a minute by Drew Dober. He's beaten Hoffa Garcia. He's lost to Dan Hooker, lost to Bobby Green, but he's coming off a win over John McDessey over a year ago. Pretty dominant win there. Man, I'll tell you, I want to go with Hawksparas. He seems like the safe pick, but we don't do safe picks here, ladies and gentlemen. We do not do safe picks. Give me Landon Keones by knockout, man. I I loved him on the Contender Series. I was all Team McGregor. Got his absolute butt whooped, but hey, that's just how it goes. That's just how it goes. Um, Yeah, we'll move on. We'll stay in the lightweight division. Landon, I wish you nothing but the best. Next up, we got Jamie Malarkey versus John the Bull MacDesse. Jamie is 16 and 6. John is 18 and 8. Six foot for Jamie. It's five foot eight for John, so a bit of height for Jamie. And wow, a six-inch reach advantage for Jamie Malarkey. Jamie, 29 years old. John MacDesse. Whoa, 38 years old. John has been doing this a long time. Been in the UFC. Since 2010, wow, John McDessey, congratulations, year 13 in the UFC for you. Let's see who he's fought. Any any legends? He holds a loss to Donald Cerrone, lost to Antti Medeiros, a loss to Lando Venata, holds a win over Ross Pearson, actually holds a win over Jesus Pinedo, who's actually fighting in the uh, championship for the PFL. Uh... He's coming off a loss to Nazareth. Oh, who just we just talked about you. Yes, as for Jamie Malarkey, been in the UFC since 2019. Has had some two fight in the nights. He's at performance bonus. Uh, never really able to string anything together. Notable losses to uh, Jalen Turner, Brad Riddell. Currently coming off a knockout loss to Muhammad Namoff, June 3rd of this year. So a bounce back fight for Jamie. I'm actually going to pick Jamie. In his homeland, his home country of Australia. Hopefully, Jamie can pick up another win for himself. But yeah, we'll go with Jamie. Why not? I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Let's get into... Uh, we have two more prelim fights before we get to our main card. Um, this is a... Pers- this is a... If you don't know, now you know. This fight is going to going to be a banger. I guarantee it, guys. If you watch this fight, you will you will not be this. This is fight of the night potential right here. As Jack Far Jenkins takes on Chepe Machine Gun Marisol. Oh my gosh, or Mariscal, however you pronounce it. 
It's going to be a good one, fellas. This is going to be a good one indeed. Jack is 12 and 2. Chepe is 14 and 6. Um, both 5 foot 7, 68 inch reach for Jack, 69 inch reach for Chepe. Jack is 29. Chepe is 20. Ooh. Jack is actually 30. I think Chepe is 31. Or it might be 32. I think they're both 29 and 30. I don't know. My math is completely off. Switch stands for Jack Orthodox for Chepe. Chepe actually debuted this year at um, on the June 24th event of Emmett versus Topiora. He had a what should have been fight of the night against Trevor Peak. That was one of the craziest fights I've ever seen in my life. He threw everything he could at Trevor Peak. Landed 145 total strikes against him to 65. Went 4 for 12 on takedowns. An absolutely amazing debut for Chepe Mariscal. As for his opponent, Jack Jenkins. My goodness, 2-0 in the UFC after getting a round 3 finish on the Contender Series. He's absolutely dominated. Don Shane is with leg kicks. Did win a split decision earlier this year against Jamal Emmers. Don't know about that decision, but he's back, and I think he continues his winning ways here. Uh, I just think he's in his hometown of Australia. I think that uh, he's, his leg kicks are better than Chepe's. He does have to watch how much he eats from Chepe. As Chepe throws hard and fast. This is going to be a very good featherweight bout. These guys, these guys could easily both take on a ranked competitor and give them a run for their money. Let's move into our final prelim of the night as we um, round it out. This fight should be on the main card. No idea why it isn't. Uh, Carl's Ulberg takes on Dawoon Jung. Carl's Black Jag Ulberg. That's a cool nickname. Dawoon Saseda Jung. I probably pronounced that wrong. I apologize. I don't know what your nickname is, Dawoon. Carl's is 9 and 1. Dawoon is 15 and 4. Both 6 foot 4, 78 inch reach for Dawoon, 77 inch reach for Carlos. They both fight Orthodox. Carlos is a bit older at 32. Dawoon is 30, 29, actually. How about that? Oh, wow. It's actually a crazy stat. Um, Carlos lands strikes per minute at an 8.13. Mark Dawoon lands at 3.39 mark. Striking accuracy 62% for Carlos, 42% for Dawoon Jung. By the way, Carlos has 100% takedown defense yet to be taken down in the UFC. And um, as for Dawoon Jung, 50% takedown accuracy. So this should be an interesting one. Carlos is 4-1 and one in the UFC, currently on a uh, four-fight winning streak. Came from the Contender Series, where he got a two-minute knockout in uh, November of 2020. He debuted in a fight of the night against Chenny and Chukwu. Kennedy, a, just an absolute, an absolute great, one of the great unranked prospects at uh, light heavyweight. Survived a brutal round one from Carlos, bounced back in round two and knocked him out. But since then, he's picked up a unanimous decision win over Fabio Charent. Three round one knockouts in a row over Tafuan and Chukwe, Nikolai Negumarano, and Ior Potera. They just get better from there. Carlos is an absolute killer. He fights at City Kickboxing. I love Carlos Ulberg. He takes on Dawoon Jung, currently on two-fight losing streak. Dawoon debuted in the UFC in 2019 on a two-fight. Uh, actually, was on a four-fight, uh, five-fight unbeaten streak. 4-0, including a finish of Kennedy and Chukwu and Mike Rodriguez. If before, in July of 2022, Dustin Jacoby would knock him out cold in three minutes. He fought earlier this year against Devin Clark, dropping a unanimous decision. Devin turned to his grappling in that fight and was just able to deal some more damage to Dawoon. Dawoon sadly was not able to throw it together. 
That's just how it goes. And all I need to see is that if Dustin Jacoby can knock him out in round one, Carlos Ulberg can do this too. I got Carlos Ulberg by knockout over Da Wung Jung. And I really like the Australian Fire's chances. Honestly, I'm kind of regretting not picking Kevin Josette and going with Kiefer. But I do have to spice it up a bit. So, like, that's just how it is. But I'm very, very happy to watch uh, Carlos Ulberg versus Da Wung Jung. That should be an absolute banger. It should be on the main card. It isn't. It is what it is. Let's get into this main card, though, fellas. Why don't we? How about it? Uh, Tyson Pedro versus Anton Turkalji kicks us off our main card at light heavyweight. All these picks are official and count towards my record. Tyson is 9-4. and four. Anton is 8-2. and two. Tyson, an average fight time of 6 minutes, 52 seconds. Anton, 11 and a half minutes. 604 for Anton, 6 for 3 for Tyson. 79 to reach Tyson, 78 inch reach. These two are basically copy and paste of each other. Tyson is 32 years old. Anton is 27 years old. This should be a good one. Anton, fought of the Contender Series last year. As I mentioned earlier, the first episode of Season 6 last year was the worst episode ever. Anton was on that card. He absolutely outgrappled his opponent to death. 11 takedowns for 12 minutes of control time. It was absolutely crazy. Um... Yeah, but he would then get fed to Halton Almeida on short notice, which is unfortunate. And earlier this year, he had a fight of the night loss to Vitor Petrino, who's currently undefeated. So, tough running for Anton. Uh, Tyson Pedro has had two stints in the UFC from 2016 to 2018. He went 3-3, three and three, wins over Khalil Roundtree and Paul Craig, but losses to Mauricio Rua and Ovin St. Preux. Came back last year in April, knocked out Ike Villanueva in round one. Knocked out Harry Hunsucker a couple months later. Earlier this year, though, did fight Modestus Bukakis on short notice and would lose a unanimous decision. So he is coming off a loss. But let me tell you, it's not easy for Tyson Pedro here. He's got a huge grappling challenge in front of him. And Anton's nickname is The Pleasure Man. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I love Anton, The Pleasure Man Turkos. I love his name, but... I just think Tyson's striking is way better than Anton. Tyson does only have a 52% takedown accuracy. Um, I mean, takedown defense. Anton does have 51% takedown accuracy. So this is going to be very interesting. I'm going to go with Tyson Pedro by unanimous decision, but we'll see what happens in this one. Let's move into the next one, the heavyweight matchup. That is super interesting. Justin Taffa takes on Austin Lane, Austin Lane, former NFL player. My mother actually goes to the gym with his cousin, Curtis. So shout out to Curtis um, on the podcast. Shout out to my mother as well, Katie Ruger. And I got to plug my mom. Everyone loves their mom. We all do. Justin Taffa, Austin Lane. This is going to be a good one. Justin Taffa, 6-3. and three. Austin Lane, 12-3. and three. Hmm. Taffa, average fight time, 5 minutes and 22 seconds. Austin Lane, average fight time, 2 minutes. He's got 6 inches in height on Justin Taffa, 6 foot 6 to 6 foot, and a whopping 6 inches in reach as well, 80 inches to 74. Uh, Austin Lane, I believe, is 35 years old, 30, 34 years old. Gosh, I really got to look this up and stop trying to do math on the go. As for Justin Taffa, he is, I believe, 29 years of age. Austin Lane found the Contender Series twice, actually lost to Greg Hardy in 2018, but bounced back with a big win over Richard Jacoby. Love that name. Knocking him out in four and a half minutes. He would finally have his debut against Justin Taffa back in June. 
But sadly, 29 seconds in, an eye poke would end the fight early. Tafa was unable to see. Eye pokes, man, they are just terrible, terrible, terrible stuff. Austin Lane, though, very good fighter. Justin Taffa is currently 3-3 three and three in the UFC. Debuted um, in Australia at UFC 243. Jorgen De would knock him out in two minutes. He would then knock out Juan Adams a year later, a couple months later. Go on a two-fight losing streak. He was on a two-fight knockout streak. Uh, this year, he knocked out Parker Porter in February. And, of course, we know that him versus Austin Lane ended early, sadly. As much as I love Justin Taffa, I'm going to give Austin Lane this one, man. He's got the height. He's got the reach. I do think the that's going to be a huge issue for Justin Taffa. And if he struggled with someone like Jared Vandera, I mean, with the reach, he's definitely going to struggle with Austin Lane. Um, plus, I have a connection to Austin Lane, and I just think that his uh, size is going to give him the advantage over Justin Taffa in this one. So I'm going Austin Lane with round one knockout. Very um, very happy for uh, both these guys to be getting back to it. And, um, you know, what, what a dream it would be to have on someone like uh, Austin Lane or Justin Taffa on the podcast. So good luck to both those men, but I'm riding with Austin Lane. Sorry, Justin. Moving into our third fight of the evening, we finally get a ranked fighter. Wow. Usually we have one by now, but we don't. In the flyweight division, Manel Cape takes on Felipe Dos Santos. And by the way, guys, Manel Cape, one of my favorite flyweight fighters in the world. I love him. Uh, he takes on Felipe Dos Santos, who was supposed to fight in the Contender Series. But Kai Kara-France pulled out. I think another guy pulled out for, against Manel Cape. The UFC was like, you know what, Felipe? You're 7-0. and You're undefeated. How would you like to fight? the number 10 ranked flyweight in the world. And Felipe's like, you know what? I'm down for it. Manel Cape, 18 and 6. As I mentioned, Felipe, 7 and 0. Felipe actually has 2 inches in height, 5'7 to 5'5, and 2 inches in reach, 70 inches to 268. Manel Cape is 29 years old. Felipe Dos Santos turns 23 on September 11th. So currently 22. Um, Manel Cape, ladies and gentlemen, Former champion in um, one, I believe, not one, some other really big division, uh, other league, I mean. Debuted against current flyweight champion Alexander Pantoja in February of 2021. Would not turn it on till round three, where he would win round three, but he lost the first two. And the same thing against Matthias Nakalu. He did not turn it on too late, and he lost the fight. But then, after debuting 0-2, he would knock out Ode Osborne in round number one with a flying knee. And then TKO Zaliga Sumalagov in 2021 as well. Last fought in December of 2022. He absolutely dominated David Jork in a unanimous decision victory. He's had multiple fights fall out since then against Alex Perez and Kaikara France. But now he's finally back on a three-fight winning streak. And I think he continues his ways with the round one knockout of Felipe. I'm sorry, Felipe. I know you're undefeated. But Manel Cape is actually a legit fighter actually super talented fought world-class competition and his only losses are to two top 10 guys so i mean not in the ufc that is so not to knock him at all but yes we'll be riding with manel cape in this one big fan of uh star boy that's his nickname felipe's nickname i forgot to mention is lipe de tona felipe lipe de tona dos santos i love the name do i do i sound foreign when i say that felipe dos santos look out i don't know 
I'm making a fool of myself. It is what it is. I own it. All right, let's move in to our co-main event of the weekend. It's not the strongest co-main, but I love both these fighters, which kind of sucks because I have to pick a loser as the number six ranked Taito Ivasa takes on now ranked number seven, Alexander Volkov. Love both these guys. We got Bam Bam, Taito Ivasa, and Alexander Drago Volkov. Ty is 15 and 5. Alexander 36 and 10. Whoa. Six foot seven to six foot two in favor of Volkov and an 80 inch reach to 75 inch reach in favor of Ty. When they were squaring off, man, you could just see the size of Volkov squaring up against him. Ty is 30 years old. As for Volkov, I believe he turns 35 this year. Couldn't couldn't tell couldn't tell me. He looks young to me. Um, Alexander Volkov currently on a two-fight winning streak, both round one knockouts over Jerzyny Rosenstruck and Alexander Romanov. And guys, he's been around since 2016. He has beaten pretty much every legend you could think of. Tim Johnson, he's beat. Roy Nelson, he's beat. He's knocked out Steven Struve. He's knocked out Fabrice Overdoom. He's finished Walt Harris. He's knocked. He retired Alistair Overeem. Beating Marcin Tibura. I mean, this guy has been around. I mean, his fight against Derek Lewis, such an iconic fight. He's uh, he's the one who was actually taken down the most in heavyweight history by Curtis Blades. Uh, gave Cyril Ghanis toughest fight up until Ninganu. And uh, was the breakout star for Tom Aspinall. So, I mean, Volkov, just a heavyweight staple. I love him, man. So much momentum. He fought earlier this year. Absolutely destroyed Alexander Romanov. Happy to have him in the co-main event. As for Bam Bam, guys, oh my goodness, he's got a tough test in front of him here. Ty's been in the UFC since 2017, was actually undefeated. A perfect 10-0 and 0 debuting. He would uh, actually pick a win over Andre Olowski before getting finished by Junior Dos Santos in a fight night main event, losing a decision to Blagoy Ivanov and getting submitted by Sergei Spivak. Just terrible, terrible stuff. That was actually the last time he was in, um, uh, I believe, Paris. No, I think they were actually in Australia a year before. But he was on the verge of getting cut, 10-3, three-fight losing streak before he pulled something out of his bag and knocked out Steven Struve in 2020. Then 2021, he would knock out Harry Hunsucker in 49 seconds, knock out Greg Hardy in a minute. Then knock out Augusto Sakai in round number two, 26 seconds in. Then knock out Derek Lewis in um, UFC 271 in February 2022. He was on a five-fight KO streak before he got his second UFC main event against Cyril Ghosn in Paris last year and put on just an amazing fight, a fight of the night. Dropped Cyril Ghosn, had so many good moments in that fight, went down swinging. I loved him. And then we fed him to Sergey Pavlovich in December of 2022. And he got brutally knocked out in 54 seconds. Oh, Pavlovich absolutely killed Ty. It was a sight to see. So we just got a tale of two fighters. One's on a two-fight winning streak. One's on a two-fight losing streak. And even though we're in Australia under Ty, I think Volkov's coming in here with some momentum, guys. I got to go with Alexander Volkov. Drago has just been so dominant as of late. Just nothing nothing to offer Rosenstruck or um, Romanov. They both got dominated. And as for Ty, it just if if you're getting knocked out by Pavlovich and by Gon, I truly believe the power of Volkov will give him issues. But hey, 
Hey, Volkov's been knocked out before, and Ty has that bam, bam power. He'll put you to sleep. But we're going with Alexander Volkov by round one knockout. Wow, I just realized I have three round one knockouts in like a row here, which is okay because I love picking that. Oh, man, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time. It's that time. It's sad. I almost don't even know how I began almost 30 minutes ago talking about this card, and now we're already at the main event. Let's dive into it. Let's not waste any more time. UFC 293, the main event is Rolada Sanya versus Sean Strickland. Whew, this is such a good fight. I mean, not the fight we were expecting, but the fight we got. Israel Sanya currently the middleweight champion, the number, what is he at now, five pound-for-pound fighter in the world, takes on the number five middleweight contender, Sean Strickland. Izzy, man, been an absolute killer, been at the top for four years now. Gotta love him, gotta love him. 24-2, and two, Sean Strickland, 27-5. and five. Israel's got a four inches in uh, reach, three inches in height. Israel's a switch stance. Sean is the most orthodox stance you'll ever see in your life. Izzy is 34 years of age now. I believe Sean is 31. 31 for Sean Strickland. Love love watching these guys. They're such good trash talkers. Sean Strickland will start out with U27 and 5. Man, Sean's been doing this since 2014. One of the most controversial fighters on the UFC roster, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you that without a doubt. All five of his losses are in the UFC. Lost to Santiago Ponzinibbio for the first time in 2015 when he was still at welterweight. Lost to Kamru Usman. Got knocked out by Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos. And he was sitting an odd one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, a seven and three before deciding, you know what? I'm going to move up to middleweight. One of the best career decisions he ever made. Seven and two since moving to middleweight, including a. Uh, Fight night wins over Uriah Hall and Jack Hermanson. Performance bonus finishes of Brandon Allen. Trash talking Jack Marshman. I mean, uh, he's picked up two wins so far this year. Yeah, fight night short notice uh, against Nazarene Imovov. He beat him across five rounds. And most recently, knocked out Abus Magomedov in round number two after dropping round one. Sean Strickland. Gotta love him. Should be on a three-fight winning streak. I did actually think he won the Jared Kanier fight. But hey. His only real true loss at middleweight has been that Alex Pereira fight where he decided to he decided to stand and bang with one of the greatest kickboxers we've ever seen in Alex Pereira. But, hey, who am I to judge? That's Sean Strickland's decision, not mine. Man, you know, he's so good of late. It's, we'll, we'll talk about it once we go through Israel Asagi. But Sean Strickland is a character. He's just been an absolute menace. He says whatever's on his mind. If you're easily offended, he is not the man for you. Israel Asanya, two losses to his MMA career. This guy's an absolute killer. I mean, debuted to a performance bonus over Rob Wilkinson, who won the middleweight title in PFL. Two wins over Marvin Vittori. Performance bonuses over Brad Tavares, Derek Brunson, fight of the Knights against Anderson Silva, Kelvin Gaslam. He knocked out Robert Whitaker to win the middleweight championship in Australia. He's had the worst fight in UFC history against Yoel Romero. One of the worst, actually. It was up last year. Defended the bell against Paulo Costa. Defended the bell against Marvin Vittori, against Robert Whitaker, against Jared Cannonier. Avenged his loss to Alex Beharia earlier this year with one, of the most na- with one of the most nasty knockouts you'll ever see. He slept Alex Beharia and hit him with the one, two, three arrow. 
We love Israel Asang. His only other loss was up in weight, trying to become double champ against Jan Poland Power Blahovich. Israel Asang is one of the goats. One of the greatest mixed martial artists. He is my middleweight great. I do think he's better than Anderson Silva, personally. That's my opinion. Oh, man, he is so much fun. But when it comes down to this fight, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes down to Asanya versus Sean Strickland, the key issue I have is that Sean Strickland's style is the worst possible style to fight Israel Asanya. One of the best styles is Hamzat, a grappler who throws power, just an amazing wrestler. That's who you want to beat Israel Asanya. Not a guy in Sean Strickland who walks up with his fists in the air and just outboxes you. Israel Asanya will piece him up. He'll piece up his legs, piece up his body, piece up his face. I think this could be over quick. Within the first few rounds, within rounds one or two, honestly, I do not see this fight going the distance. Plus, Israel Asanya does not care for Sean Strickland. And one of the main issues with Sean Strickland is, yeah, he's a company guy, but he basically said, I don't care about the belt. I don't care about the rankings. He is just such a character. He came from poverty. He came from a really bad life. He's now got some... He's now has a way to make a living. So Sean has definitely found his way out of the gutter. That's what you'll say. But he's gone out of the gutter and ran into a highway, which is Israel Adesanya. Israel's going to run through him. I expect nothing less of domination from our middleweight great. And honestly, if he wins, I'm putting him past Leon Edwards in the pound-for-pound rankings. And maybe even Islam Makachev. Who knows? I love Adesanya. But I'm a degenerate, guys. I'm a degenerate, and I'll tell you what no one is expecting, and that's an Israel Asanya submission. So here's my case for an Israel Asanya submission, is I think he may get him in a standing headlock, or maybe even a guillotine, and submit him in round number one. Imagine the upset. No one would be expecting that, and I know Sean Strickland would not be expecting that, who who basically said, I'm not going to grapple, which is how you should beat Israel Asanya. I know people are saying like, oh, Alex Pajara didn't grapple. Well, that's there's a whole case there that he has a kickboxing style better than Adesanya's. They're rivals. That was a special case. Sean Strickland, we saw what Alex Pajara did to him. So, I mean, that's out the window. We'll see what happens. I wish Sean luck. I actually don't know when this fight card's going down. Is it normal time here in the U.S.? Or is it going to be a bit earlier? I'll have to do a little deep dive on that, but... Yeah, I'm going with Adesanya. Should be a uh, master class from him, but if Sean Strickland can pull it off, I won't even be mad. That would be entertaining. So, yes, I'm locking in Israel Adesanya by submission because it's just a pick that no one would be expecting. Okay, let me recap my picks. Just a, just a casual episode, talk a bit about UFC and stuff, re- re- previewing the event, if you will. We got Kiefer Crosby over Kevin Set. We'll say by decision. Shane Young over Gabriel Miranda by knockout. Blood Diamond over Charles Radke by decision. Landon Kionis over Nazareth Hak Pasarat by knockout. Jamie Malarkey over John McDassie by decision. Jack Jenkins over Chepe Mariscal in the fight of the night by decision. Carl Sulberg, round one knockout of Dawoon Jung. Uh, we got Tyson Pedro over Anton Turkalji. I'm going to go by submission, actually, just to spice it up. We got Austin Lane over Justin Taffa, rocking with Austin Lane for sure. I got round one knockout for him. I got Manal Cape knocking out Felipe Dos Santos in round number one. I got Alexander Volkov knocking out Ty Tuipasa in round number one. And I got Izzy submitting Sean Strickland in round number two because it's just an insane pick. But expect a knockout, honestly, so... My official picks for um that'll be going down just so everyone knows are Tyson Pedro, Austin Lane, Manel Cape, 
Alexander Volkov in his last sign. So those are all the official picks that count towards our actual picking. Everything else is unofficial. Very much happy that um, we get UFC this weekend. Uh, I think we have it up until my birthday weekend, which works out perfectly because I'm actually going to the Louisiana versus University of Minnesota football game. So that should be pretty fun. College football kicking back off. Uh, I think Colorado is now in the rankings. I was talking to some friends of mine, and they, they don't like the Colorado, the Deion Sanders. I personally love it. I personally think he's amazing. Um, but... That's just me. I, I enjoy that kind of stuff where he's like motivating the guys. They're a team that should not be where they're at, but they are. Hey, it is what it is. And uh, shout out to my listeners from Argentina. I saw I had a listener from Argentina. That's absolutely crazy. That I've Someone from the world, someone from a different continent has listened to my podcast. I, I know I got African listeners. I got European listeners. I appreciate it so very much. And that's it, folks. That is it. That's all I got for this episode. Um, we're working on getting a surprise topic for next week, maybe even some guests. I'm always trying to improve, but yeah, just a typical episode. Got some stuff to take care of. And yeah, those are UFC 293 picks, Dana White's Contender Series recap. Talked a bit about UFC 5, a little NFL talk. Even went over my fantasy teams. Y'all can judge me, but stay tuned for more content coming out, more episodes. Stay blessed. Everyone have an amazing weekend. And go Minnesota Vikings. Let's beat the Bucks. Go Vikings. Have a good one, everyone.